Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. J.J. Cooper and Josh Norris both looking a little more tan, a little uh, less rested than maybe we were the last time we saw each other. But Yeah, I woke up this morning and I thought, okay, hopefully it's before 9 o'clock. Oh, it's 9.45. Josh just got back from Arizona from a spring training trip to the backfields of Arizona. I just got back from a spring training trip to the backfields in Florida and... Let's be honest, our jobs are not bad because we got to see a whole lot of folk. I've still got stuff I haven't had time to do. There was an interesting Yankees Latin pitcher, uh, big guy, uh, Perez, who was 95, 96 with a feel for spinning the ball, which I haven't even had a chance to post the video for that yet. Yeah, we've got, I've got Casey Meisner that I still haven't posted the video of yet, and he was really good in an interview. Um, he was really introspective about, you know, uh, the feeling of being traded is not always that they want you. It's sometimes why don't they want me? And he was very honest about that. So we've got still more stuff to come, but we did want to talk a little bit today about kind of our, our travels and, and really kind of what jumped out. But I'm going to put Josh on the spot here because I have an agenda on this that I believe in. And I'm going to probably write a story about this sometime next week when I have some time. But spring training has become big business. We know that. Um, I you know, saw big league games where big league spring training games, you could spend a hundred dollars and turn before you turn around between parking and the ticket. And if you want a hot dog and a beer or whatever, but I always come back to the still hidden secret of spring training are the backfields. Yeah. It's amazing. There's you can get in usually. Not everywhere, but usually for free. For free. I mean, I've never seen a place where you have to pay. It's or, oh, no. for, for backfields. Braves, you have to pay because you have to pay to get on the site. Oh, Disney. So. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 they usually fence you off. Like at the Indians camp where I was the first day, I had my special badge. So I was allowed to go pretty much anywhere. Uh, but the fans were there. They just had they had to stay, you know, in their little barrier areas. But even um, then, that they is watch and they're good views. They're in the little bleachers on the first and third base. They're that sides. The best way I put it is, is they are the seats, and usually there are bleachers, are at a distance from home plate that would run you seventy five dollars at a big league spring training game. Oh no, kidding! I was sitting um, at a second Indians game I went to. It was me, and I'm trying to do my job, and then there were like a family of four next to me, just. Chilling, and then a, uh, an older woman to my right, who I found out later was writing for Indian Prospect Insider. But the backfield you get, there are multiple games going on most days, mm-hmm. and the really hidden secret of this is is that if you say you're a Pirates fan, okay, and the Pirates are on the road that day for spring training, well, you probably know this, but let me let you in on a little secret. Most of the Pirates big leaguers. They're not making that trip. In spring training, most of the veterans don't go on the road much. I was at a Blue Jays-Astros game where Ryan Goins and Chris Colabella were the two Blue Jays 
I mean, those were the two big leaguers in the lineup that day. That's sufficient to check off the box of, you know, the road team. However, there are days, like I happen to be there a day where Francisco Liriano was getting his work in on the backfields for the Braves. I mean, for the Pirates. There were days, there was another day where you could go to the game on the road and see the Pirates play and you were going to get a reliever who's battling for a roster spot. Or if you went to Pirate City, the, the Pirates minor league backfield, you could watch Garrett Cole pitch for free. My goodness, yeah. I, I had, it's kind of funny. That first day I went to Indians camp, it was two intra squads. And I'm looking on Twitter, they said, How's Michael Brantley and Jason Kipnis doing? And I'm going, I had no idea they were even here. <laughs> I'm just looking around on both fields because, oh, there are prospects here. Mike Clevenger comes in. Adam Plutko comes in. Rob Kaminsky comes in. Oh, Bobby Bradley's on the other field. Where is Michael Brantley? I hate to say it, but like Francisco Luriano was pitching in a sim game. I wasn't really that interested in that. And Chris Stewart was catching him. What I was interested in is Cole Tucker was playing shortstop. Oh, no. no that's always the, I Before I got this job, I, most of you know, I worked in Trenton covering the AA Yankees. And the worst days were always when you went to the backfield and it was like, here's Nick Swisher and here's, I don't know, not Tanaka, obviously, but some big Nova, Yvonne Nova getting the work in. I did not come here to see you, Yvonne Nova. I came here to see... At the time, Bell and Batances. But, well, we, we do want to get into kind of a, at least a couple of guys. It's going to be, I'm sorry, it's going to be a shorter podcast today because NHSI, the National High School Invitational, is going on and I've got to get out there and cover a game. But uh, before we do get into talking a little bit about some of the guys who jumped out, some of the prospects who jumped out, I do want to remind you that have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? I know I have. Most sites make it complicated and then they try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. SeatGeek is the place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert. Let's be honest. For us, the games are really generally handled. But concerts, the DPAC, we have, we are very fortunate here in Durham. We have the Durham Performing Arts Center, which is top notch. There was one night here that Aretha Franklin and Arlo Guthrie were performing on the same night. Now, if I wanted to get in, I'd use SeatGeek. Right. And the thing about it is that, that is great about SeatGeek. If you have the SeatGeek app, they, I, I love about the fact that they actually tell you these are the good deals and they'll even tell you, you know what, this, this price, uh, you maybe want to just pass on that. And I've seen that on, like, as I talked about with the Alton Brown tickets, I didn't want to spend $225 per ticket for Alton. That was a little bit beyond what I was looking for. So do get the SeatGeek app and SeatGeek takes all the tickets available on other sites and puts them in one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games or concerts, and SeatGeek will let you know if the ticket prices fall. Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebates on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code BA20. It's very simple, BA20. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20 today. So that, thank you, SeatGeek. Back to, I want to put you on the spot again. So, Josh, who is the prospect? Or give me two guys who really jumped out to you that was very, most enjoyable to watch. This is not on the spot. The first is Julio Urias. I saw him on my last day, and I knew I was going to see him on my last day because I had talked to their kitchen coordinator. And, you know, it wasn't peak Julio Urias. But it was pretty, what was, what pretty was, darn What good. was non-peak Julio? He just didn't command it very well. That was about it. Um, 
And I think he settled in after the inning I videoed. Because um, at one point, he, he pitched three innings at 35 pitches, and I believe he shut them out. And one of those innings was six pitches. Two first pitch, you know, a, a line drive yeah. to a ball, a line drive to the first base, and a line drive to the shortstop. And then he struck out a guy on four pitches. It was pretty impressive. I mean, the fastball is 93-95, and it has teeth on it into right-handers. The changeup works. The slider is great. I mean, there's, we've said so much about Julio Urias. We like Julio Urias as a prospect. And I got up close and personal for Julio Urias versus Orlando Arcia in that game, and he broke Arcia's bat with a changeup. It was pretty impressive. Uh, but the other one I didn't know much about or hadn't seen since last Instructs, uh, Justin Sheffield. Justice Sheffield ran really high up my power rankings of I love this dude. He was, you know, anywhere from 92 to 95, and he had no fear at all. You want him to come in, he was going to come in and make you feel it in your, in your thighs. It was amazing. He painted in, out, up, down. The slider was good. The changeup was good. The Brewers, I think, had one hit off him in four innings. Uh, he was a man that day. I, I thought my main entree that day was going to be Cody Medeiros, who was very good in his own right, but Justice Sheffield was dominant. For me, I, I ended up spending a lot of time at Braves camp. There's a Braves cover story that you'll have coming out in the next issue of Baseball America, so had to be at Braves camp a lot for that. That's a good place to be because there's a whole lot of interesting pitchers. It was really good to see Max Fried back out after a pretty extensive, because of the timing of his Tommy John surgery, if you remember, go back to 2014, when he was still a Padre. He was limited. They held him back and extended. They wanted to see if he could rehab. And basically what it ended up being was a lost season. He threw 10 innings total, ended up having to have Tommy John surgery. And because of that, he was going to miss, because of the timing of it, then the Braves told him when they traded, you know, after they traded for him, they said, look, you're not pitching for us this year. You're going to rehab the whole year. You're going to be ready for 2016. The good news for Max Fried is, is that he looks like he's ready for 2016. Curveball still, an excellent curveball. Showed a little bit of rust in the first of the two innings in the two-inning sim game that I saw. But by inning two, he was back to being Max Fried. The fastball seemed firm. I didn't have a gun on him that day. The curveball was, he struck out five of the seven batters he faced. So that was impressive. But the more the more fun impressive and he was impressive and also the same kind of disconcerting that Tuki Toussaint can be as a prospect. Tuki Toussaint is in no way a finished prospect. The right-hander who if you're listening to this podcast you probably remember was basically purchased by the Braves from the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks said if you will take Bronson Arroyo's contract, we'll throw in Tuki Toussaint and um uh okay, uh Phil Goslin. Yeah, okay, here we'll take a utility infielder in return. So that's how the Braves got Tukey Toussaint. Now, the crazy part of it is, is that when Tukey got to the Braves, kind of first outing, he goes out there for a side session. It's like, well, where's the curveball? And he goes, well, the Diamondbacks told me not really to throw my curveball. The Braves very quickly said, no, 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 no. Your curveball, throw your curveball. Tukey Toussaint's curveball is exceptional at its best. It's not always at its best. Nothing that Tukey Toussaint throws right now is always at its best. He walked the two first, batter, first two batters he faced. After that, there was still a lot of deep counts. There's still a number of times where you looked at it and said, control troubles are going to be a problem for him for a while. That being said, when Tuk I still cannot explain how Tuki Toussaint struck out only seven batters per nine last year because when he uncorks his best curveball, it is a simply unfair pitch. It is, again, 
the consistency of it means that you've got to say a guy like Lucas Giolito has a better curveball. But when you talk about uh, his best curveball, it is a as close to top of the scale as you can get. It's exceptional. It has it has both depth. It even at times will have a little bit of late tilt. It's not really 12 to 6. It's more like 11, starting out 11 to 5, and then maybe sometimes going 11 to 5. Oh, no, let's go to 4. Um, he's got to change up too. The pieces are all there. It's a long ways away, but it could be really, really fun. And I just realized that he is probably going to be an IA this year, correct? Um, I would say it's a decent chance he starts it. The Braves have a very good problem to have. Their A-ball teams are going to be loaded. I don't know where they're going to put all the innings. You could send him to high A. You also could start him in low A saying, you know what? We want you just to – you didn't dominate the level last year. Let's let you start there again. That low A Rome team, again, if Tukey goes back there, because it could be Tukey, Max Fried, Mike Soroka, who I also saw. It was extremely impressive because – very introspective about pitching, much like you talked about. Casey Meister was introspective about life. Uh, Soroka was a fascinating interview. I still haven't had a chance to do anything with that either. That'll come later. Um, but, uh, Colby Allard should be there early May. Um, talk to Colby a little bit. He's behind there, but at the same time, again, they're on no, you know, the expectation is, is that late April, early May, you should be expecting to see him pitching and maybe join the Rome's rotation at that point. Yeah, they're going to be fun. Now, the, the other question is, is that I thought when this all started that we'd be looking at Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Albies, one of them probably being at high A. No, I heard both at double A. I'm thinking now both at double A. I think together both at double A. Um, they haven't set something in stone yet. The Braves truly, I, I do believe this is honestly true. If you said right now, okay, Braves front office officials, you have to make a bet on which of these two guys is your shortstop. They would not know who to pick because they go back and forth. Both of them have reason to think that this is your shortstop of the future. So they're going to, I, my guess is, is that they're going to delay the decision. They're going to send them both out. One will play shortstop one week, the other play second base. The other week, they'll flip. The two of them, by the way, it's fascinating how they have bonded. I mean, Swanson was just traded there this offseason. But those two guys want to be the double play combination together. I, you know, again, I think if you get Petrusser in, mean, both of them want to be the shortstop. But both of them want to play up the middle together. And I do think that it is not unrealistic at all to put a late 2016 ETA on Dansby Swanson and on Ozzy Albies. I would be surprised actually right now. If the season goes as expected, if they're not September call-ups, to get them acclimated at least a little bit before the, they – and I would say that you're talking about the two guys who probably are their guys next year when the new stadium opens. So they'll have faces of the franchise and Freddie Freeman. Right. And by the way, I, I, the Freddie Freeman's important for this because every one of these rebuilding teams – Has a veteran. Has a veteran. It's Alex, it was Alex Gordon for the Royals. You know, it was Anthony Rizzo, who's not that old, but still was the veteran for the Cubs. He was like the only guy in the lineup, you know, Dexter Fowler. But Anthony Rizzo was the longtime, quote, longtime Cub. Um, you know, the Astros have always had, you know, it's Jose Altuve with the Astros. 
who again, he's been around long enough that he is, quote, a veteran. You know, all these teams have just David Wright with the Mets. All these teams who have rebuilt... And Bartolo Colon. Remember that story about the importance of Bartolo Colon. Yes. Not even being tongue-in-cheek here. But every one of these teams has that guy. That's what Freddie Freeman is for the Braves. Now, again, the, the NL East is going to be fascinating because the Nationals aren't going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I, I mean, they're not. They they may lose some pieces, but they also... They didn't go anywhere last year. Right. 80, but still, they're still... 83 wins puts them in second place in that division right now. <laughs> being in Philly's camp, the Phillies are building something very, very interesting. The trades that they made last year sandwiched around a guy like a J.P. Crawford and all. You put it together and you go, okay, they've got a lot of upper-level prospects, and then they've got a number of very intriguing far-away prospects as well. And they've also got a young star. They've got Michael Franco. Right. Who, I mean, I don't know what They, they have Michael Franco and Aaron Nola. And Aaron Nola's not an ace, but Aaron Nola is a very useful young two, three, piece. Two. Yeah. To Michael Franco has seven times the spring training home runs as Mike Stanton this year. Or that Jay Carlos Stanton. So that is you know, true. take that for what it's worth. But uh no, that someone told me you know, they are building something very special in Philly's camp. It's called the Rangers Farm System. That is true. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, seeing Jorge Alfaro, who we've seen Jorge me and you both have seen Jorge Alfaro a lot over the years. I was impressed. Um these are minor little snippets. I'm not saying do not take this as massive significance. But Alfaro seemed a little cleaner as a receiver. Cleaner, more focused as a receiver, I guess would be a better way to put it, in the little bit I saw him. Um, at the plate, a little bit better. Uh, you know, nothing dramatically different, but you know, he looked really locked in. Looked like he was recognizing the ball a little better. He's toned down a little bit the hand pump that he always has had, you know, as he kind of sets rocks to, to, look, to set up his uh, start of the swing. And... It's a minor piece, but it's a spring training inner squad game. He had a grounder to the left side and was busting it down the line in a way that very few catchers ever bust the ball, you know, bust it down the line, especially in a minor league spring training game. I mean, again, it's a minor thing, but impressing his new, his new team with his, you know, effort level. I'm sure he's excited to be back out there after an injury plagued uh, 2015. Yeah. Those are some of the things, you know, let's, a couple more snippets from, uh, from your travels. What, you know, what really also did you enjoy seeing? Well, I really enjoyed Brewers Camp a lot. I mean, that's a fun, that's another organization that's building something fun. Yeah. I mean, shoot, the last day I was there, I, it was batting practice going on. It was four fields. It was like, I would take one guy and run to the other field. I'd take that one, run to the other field. Okay. Here's Jacob Nottingham. That's the great thing about the backfields. There's always something going on. Yeah. It's like, okay, Nottingham's here. And then I run to the other one, and Trent Clark is taking BP. And then oh, I love Trent Clark. And then uh, I didn't get Monty Harris, and I missed him. Uh is on this field, and Demi Arimaloy is on this field. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm getting my steps in for the day, but it's worth it. Um, but that was that was Braves camp just with pitchers. It's like, oh, it's Lucas Sims and Sean Newcomb and Max Fried, and I'm, my head's exploding. No, I mean there was so much velocity to Miguel. Uh, I think there's three guys I counted in Brewer, in Brewers camp that were at least 98. Uh, Damian Magnifico was sitting 98, 99 when he came in. At one point, he you know took some off and got to 97. Uh, Miguel Diaz was up to 99, um, and the other guy, I think his first name is Junior Rincon, was like 92, 93, and then would go 98, 99, and back to 92, 93. He had no idea where it was going, but it's there. And but the the thing that I'm still marveling at three days later is. The, the whims of Twitter. 
when I was there for the for the the, the batting practice day, it was a camp day, and so I got there a little early before BP. And they were doing some sort of PFP drill where they take the, the pitching machine, shoot 10 baseballs up in the air, and there are 10 pitchers on the mound. And the goal would be to have one pitcher catch each of the 10 balls without any of them hitting the ground. So I took this video, and they completed it successfully, and they all cheered and danced wildly. Oh, 10 pitchers catch, because they wanted 10 pitchers? Yes, yes. 10, 10 pitchers, pitchers catching 10 balls, not one pitcher catching 10 Right, right, right. Ten, there's 10 pitchers on the mound catching 10 balls that go in the air. So you have to communicate, and you have to make sure that one doesn't drop, hit the ground. So that gets done. And I posted on Twitter, and right now it's at like 280 retweets and 350 likes, and I don't understand it. Well, it's, it's unusual. I retweeted it. Cool, it's a cool video. <laughs> I retweeted it. It was unusual. I liked it. It was unusual, but like... I laughed. I cried. It was better than cats. I've got, <laughs> I've gotten some really good videos back in the days. Like, I've gotten you know, Roman Quinn hitting an inside-the-park home run. I didn't get nearly that kind of view on that. But, no, it is fun to see also. There is just kind of the randomness of it. I love that, you know... I got um, oh, one more, and I went to Rangers camp the next day, and it was it was the day that Gallo and Brinson and Mazzara went down, but they didn't play. They took a day off, so whatever. Um, but I got Austin Wilson, and he hit two home runs. And I was like, what is this? Where did this Austin come? Wilson has power. Yeah. Connecting still, has been sometimes an issue. but He hit the one to a bomb to left field, and the other one a line drive to right. What? Where has this been? Oh, that, that reminds me. I say Luis Torrens is back, you know, catching, and... Nice little oppo home run. It was good to see. Um, that was fun. I got to see. I uh, got to see Mateo. You know who's apparently he almost got killed. I saw it when it went back. He almost got hit in the face. I missed that one. Apparently. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, that's the thing is on the backfield. It's like you always. I always have that you know feeling. It's like when you order in a restaurant, you feel like you ordered the wrong thing. Whenever I'm on backfields and there's multiple games going on, I always worry that I'm watching something else is going on that I'm missing. So the the joy and the curse of Arizona. I went to Salt River Field one morning for an intra-squad, uh, and it was Taylor Clark versus Brad Teller. And then uh, the great uh, lieutenant governor of Arizona, Bill Mitchell, comes up to us and comes to me and said, Hey, Yayar Alvarez is pitching at the Dodgers camp today. And I said, Well, I know where I'm going. So I took one inning of the Spricker image and then busted it to... to the other side of the state, well, the other side of the state, the other side of the pod. So that's about an hour drive to there so I can get Yadier Alvarez. And whoo, pig suey, he was good. 91 to 99. He took a little while to warm up, but he finally hit 99. Really nasty looking slider. Uh, he, the, the, the low A guys he was facing really didn't have a chance against him. But there's so much talent in Dodgers camp, it's just scary. It is impressive. If there's any, like, there's you look and you can see other guys like uh, Arisbel Ar- Ar- Arrebayuena. Um, in that lineup, they had Arisbel Arrebayuena and then the ghost of the Eastern League. They had Jose Tabata in that league and Lars Anderson in that game. See, that's not as exciting to me. It, well, it's a little more exciting to me because, again, I covered those dudes when they were prospects. And I was like, wow, this is a who's who of when. Goodness gracious. But... Unfortunately, we do have to wrap this up because I have to get out to cover the NHSI game. And I have to make sure our magazine gets out. But uh, but thank you for the download. We do want to remind you, our kind of, I guess, our point of today is, is that if you haven't made it to the backfield, um, it's well worth the trip. It's not that hard. I know that it's hard, sometimes hard to find the schedule. Here's the great thing about it. Most cases, there's a game going on every day. If you're at, If you're going to go to Camelback, there's going to be a game going on every day, whether it's Dodgers or White Sox. One of those teams is going to be there every day. Well, even on the on the Florida side, what usually ends up happening is, is they split it. 
So they send like double A AA and triple A will go one place and then they'll whoever whoever the team that's going, like if the Blue Jays are going to play double A triple A at the Yankees Park, then the Yankees are going to send their A ball teams to go over and play the Blue Jays Park. So the great thing about this is is that most every day you're going to find a game. You don't know what you're going to discover when you get there, but it's probably going to be pretty interesting. And most of these teams now have names on the back of their jerseys, so yay. Yay. But for Josh Norris, I'm J.J. Cooper. We really do apologize. It'll be a longer podcast next week, we promise. But thank you, everyone, for the download, and we'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.